Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back. For those just joining the show, let me tell you real quick what this thing's all about. I started this podcast during quarantine because I realized that I wanted to connect with people on deeper levels. I wanted to explore new worlds, and I wanted to hear different perspectives and learn new things. And that's exactly what I'm doing. It's these conversations that I think are important and what brings me real joy. This is who I am, and this is the casual truth. This week, it was an honor and a pleasure to sit down and talk with cultural ambassador for Detroit, Becky Scarcello. Becky is a number of different things. She's the co-host for the Debrief podcast in Detroit. She's a board member for the Matrix Human Services and a lot of other things. Most importantly, though, she's a champion for Detroit. Her life's mission really seems to have been to raise up Detroit in her own personal way. Becky's just one of those people that it's uh, an unsung hero in the area that really deserves a spotlight. It's conversations like the ones I had with her, which is the reason I started this podcast. Our talk was really just two strangers from the area reminiscing about Detroit memories and things that we love. It was great. So check out Becky and her co-host Seth on The Debrief and give him a shout. Here we go, friends. Without further ado, here's Becky. The only things in life really is to be kind and to connect with other people. And everything else falls into place after that. Connection is what it is all about. No matter what you're doing, we don't walk alone, you know. I hope my kids, if they get nothing else from me as a mom, is just to always connect with other people in an authentic way. Get to know people. Get to know their stories. Becky Scarcello, thank you for coming on. This is very cool. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I wanted to have you on because I noticed you're someone uh, that is not only a co-host of the Debrief podcast, but you're also somebody researching your profile a little bit that you're this person that's always been involved with Detroit and you're lifting up Detroit companies by bringing awareness and, and cultural awareness too. So can you go into that a little bit? Sure. Uh, I like to say I do a lot of different things, but they are all uh, towards my one sort of central personal mission, which is to uplift um, the creativity of Detroit. So however I can do that, however I can support Detroit, support the cool people doing cool things in, uh, you know, so many amazing ways. So everything I've done throughout my career has had to do with that. So we can get however specific you like. Yeah, I mean, let's do it. I think it's great. I've I've had friends tell me that Detroit has really been an incubator of talent for generations and generations. And I've had another friend tell me that a lot of this came from the fact that Henry Ford actually uh, funded a lot of these these art programs uh, when when Detroit was on the rise. And so that's where a lot of this. Uh, emphasis and talent comes from. Right, exactly. But I think we've always needed more ambassadors. So that's what I like to fancy myself. Um, Not to use that as like some huge term, but that yes, there have been these incubators, there have been people doing really incredible stuff. But for so many years felt like they had to leave to keep doing it, you know, maybe go to New York or LA. And um, we have not been the best city at promoting ourselves. And our own talent. So for that means for like small, smaller local artists, because I mean, it, you're not just talking about the big ambassadors like the M&Ms or the Kid Rocks, Correct, you know, yeah. or the Madonnas, right? We all need that as well. But sure. yeah, just all the crazy great talent. And then the more that talent stays, then they, you know, help the next generation of talent. And I'm talking everything from chefs to musicians to visual artists, anybody in the creative space. 
So how do you bring awareness to that? I mean, that's that's pretty broad and that's pretty intensive. I would imagine it takes up a lot of your time. It you know? does. It does. But it, I love it. I love it. And to me, if um, I also look at in life, you know, I'm involved in a lot of nonprofit endeavors, too, that if you have resources and you have awareness and um, you have stuff to give, you need to give it. You know, I see that as an obligation. You know, if I have resources and there's things that I know, how could I not share that? That's just what you should do. So to me, it comes pretty naturally. So um, I think it dawned on me that not as many people were tuned into the things that I just sort of felt naturally tuned into. So it was like, it's pretty simple. You know, I hear a great song by a local artist, then I tell somebody about it who I think would like it. Or I throw it. I don't love social media, but that's the way it goes. And that's how you get a lot of, you know, play with that. So I like to just share, share, share on there. You know, if I eat at a great restaurant or I um, go to a great concert, you know, I want I want to put it out there. Not to say, oh, I did this cool thing, but to say, hey, this is what's going on over in this space or with this person. You should go do it, too. Which is a crazy contradiction, because if you don't like social media, you're actually posting the most on it simply because as a function of trying to be an ambassador for Detroit. Exactly. Right? Because it's an efficient way. I right. would prefer, honestly, and my family can attest to that because it drives them crazy. I will talk to anyone. So I would prefer to do it in person. Sound but like how many me. people can you talk to in a day? Right. You sound like me. You know, I'll talk to strangers. I want another story. You know, yes. Yes. Obviously why I'm having you on too. So. Yeah. So this is uh, something that's not new for you. It seems like looking at your background and, and what you're involved in now, you've been involved with Detroit for a long time. Are you trying to say that I'm old? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I don't want to ask. You look very young. Thank you. No, I've had a lot of a lot of years doing this. And I think it it really like goes back to my parents, honestly. I have to give them a shout out because unlike a lot of people in the Detroit area, they weren't from here. So they grew up in other parts of the country and moved to Detroit in Where? the in the 50s. So my mom's from St. Louis. Okay. My dad grew up a few places, but um, mainly Colorado and Alaska. And so they came here because of a job. So my dad got a job at BASF. So for them in the 50s, Detroit, they're like, we're moving to this city. We're going to embrace it. So they proceeded to have six kids. I'm the youngest. But I think they just adopted it in a different way. Like we were never um, taught to be afraid to go downtown. And when a lot of my peers were you know even though I grew up down river not that far from the city I was um, pretty unique in that we were going to the city all the time and always connected with cultural stuff you know they've had season tickets to the symphony and things at the opera house and you know you name it and we always were going to the DIA or the Detroit Public Library so from a pretty early age I was exposed to all the culture here and all the things going on in the city and just you know got excited about it. So clearly it had a very deep impact on you growing up. Yeah, yeah. Was it the same for your siblings as well? Because I come from a big family and I had, I don't say mixed reactions, but, but, you know, sometimes you hear comments, good and bad, about Detroit, and that has an impact on you too. So uh, back to the question I just asked, your siblings, did did they have the same affinity for Detroit as you did? Um, Well, not currently because most of them don't live here. Um, So a lot. We're also a family that travels a ton, and Mm -hmm. that was always okay, and whatever you want to do or wherever you want to go. So maybe not in quite the same way, but yeah, I think, you know, we all love our hometown and know that there's great things here. So what are some of these organizations that you're involved in? 
because you're involved in a lot, which is very yeah. impressive. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. And not so much impressive as that. I'm a dabbler, definitely. And so I learned to embrace that a long time ago. I don't have like one nine to five job. And with my family circumstance and that, I've been very lucky to be able to, to do, you know, things I'm passionate about. But so currently I um, manage a tour company with um, a woman named Linda Yellen. We uh, have feet on the street tours. And I'm also a tour guide there. So um, just everything from, you know, managing, again, the social media, the website, that kind of stuff, to my sweet spot is giving um, street art tours. I love that. I love connecting people just to all the art that's around us. Hey, you don't have to go into a gallery. Those are great, too. But there's so much. I didn't realize there was so much. There's a So ton. much, yeah. And a lot of people don't go off the beaten path. So I love doing those tours. Um so that's one one part of my life. Um, also, like you said, co-host the Debrief podcast. I've been doing that for about three years. So that is all about promoting the creatives in Detroit, sharing their stories. It used to be um, our format much more so about what was going on in Detroit events and all that. Of course, we've had to pivot during um, the pandemic. So we, we've changed our format. But still, again, with the same mission uh, about promoting what's going on and celebrating our own artistic endeavors here in the city and the people doing it. Um, we also started a company called Michigan Podcast Productions with the aim of helping Detroit organizations create their own podcasts. Because as you know, it's not as easy as just throwing up a mic and talking. No, so it's, it's um, crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy how much goes into it. Exactly. So we've been helping other organizations do that and, and tell their stories in a way that enhances their marketing and their brand and their reach. So, for instance, we just did a, a very large uh, podcast for the Detroit Historical Society. Took over a year, and everybody's really excited about it. It launched in February. It's all about Detroit's brewing history, and it pairs with a exhibit they have at the Detroit Historical Museum right now. So uh, we do that. I'm on um, a couple of boards. Um, again, I just feel like if you have um, resources, the only thing that separates people is opportunity it's not talent so if you can start to equalize opportunities for people magical things happen so um, i'm on the board of matrix human services and the art foundation tell me about matrix human services yeah it's it's an organization um i've been involved with gosh since 2008 and um it's the largest human services organization in, in the city we have sites all over. Um, I think we're up to like 29 sites or something like that. And it's a very like holistic approach to not giving people a handout, but a hand up that whole, you know, teach a man to fish more philosophy. So for instance, you can't just help somebody get a job, but then not help them figure out how to get to that job if they don't have transportation or help them get child care while they're at their job or the, the skills that they need to navigate that. So it's all about kind of having an umbrella approach where if any one strip of your umbrella is missing, you're going to get wet. So we right. try to look at the whole person and really about like, what's your dream and how do you, how can we help you achieve it? And uh, w one thing I really like about the the program and the clients we serve is it's about empowering people. So if you're in the program, you have to also volunteer for the program. 
And it becomes a really tremendous thing when you volunteer because all of a sudden your your time's valuable. Like they need you. People need you. So that's gotta be powerful on the person that's volunteering too. Well, right. So it's just instead of, oh my gosh, I'm the needy one, I'm needed. So when we're helping each other. So uh, that's what Matrix does. It's it's really from babies up through seniors in different capacities. And clearly, um, it's helping people of lower income. So you're addressing issues with poverty. Well, exactly. That's the, our tagline, actually, breaking the cycle of generational poverty. So because uh, we all know generational wealth is a huge issue. And if you start from nothing, you're passing on nothing. Like just the cycle is tough to break. So that makes sense. Yeah, that's what we're about. So we have like the largest um, Head Start program in the city. It's trilingual. You know, there's uh, Spanish, Arabic um, centers. And yeah, like I said, up through seniors and most things in between. What's been the reception? I mean, have, have there been some great, great stories? Of, of oh people my gosh. breaking that cycle. I mean, do you have some tissues handy? Because <laughs> when we have, I don't think I'm ready to cry today. Yeah, me neither. I'm a good but, day. but I encourage everybody to look at the website, and we do our um, the team there, the staff does an incredible job at telling the stories. But just you can imagine when you hear somebody that um, is in a really desperate situation. Say they were a victim of domestic abuse, and they've been living in a shelter with a couple of kids. And then you hear, you know, three years later that they got their bachelor's degree and are now going to get a master's or they're writing a book or now they're a motivational speaker. You know, I mean, all these things are possible and it has happened for our clients. And it's incredible to watch that if you just people have a lot of motivation. But like I said, they need the opportunity or sometimes it's just the smallest thing that's just someone believes in them or gives them a direction of, hey, this is what can help you. And it's just, it's incredible. It's amazing what that that little amount you, I mean, that you just mentioned can impact somebody that needs a leg up. Exactly, exactly. You know, sometimes so. people, uh, you know, it's not just financial. Sometimes it's mentally, it's spiritually, it's emotionally, you know, to have somebody, you know, put a hand out and say, hey, you know, I'm going to help you. I believe in you, you know, and, uh, you know, we can all experience this at different times in our lives and not just the people downtown that are, are low income, you know, it, it could be with all of us, you know, oh, you could be in a sure. rut and to yeah. have a friend or a family member say, hey, you know, I'm here for you. It means a lot. Exactly. Exactly. So normally I ask this question at the, the end of the uh, at the end of my interviews. But based on everything you just said, does does Detroit, of course, it has a special meaning for you. But what is that meaning that Detroit has for you? I mean, I don't know how to put that into a few words. I guess it's just um, putting as many as as many as, words as you yeah, want. Yeah, <laughs> I guess the time. I guess um, I think to it, it's it's home. It's people caring about each other. I like to um, you know say it's a big city that feels like a small town. I like that I know people here that then know other people, and that you know I like the connections and that people take care of each other. Um, I like the you know resiliency that that means a lot to me that people just still keep going even when times are tough I mean this is stuff that everybody that's integrated in Detroit will say so I know I'm not saying anything super unique but but it really is true I think there's an authenticity here I think we can sometimes be our own worst enemies um like I said not not really um promoting our own or thinking it's special just kind of putting heads down and working you know um but there's really a 
a do-it-yourself spirit here. There's a lack of pretension. Um, I just think people are real. And, and once you get to know them, you, you know, you kind of have to earn your spot. But um, once you do, you're, you're in, you know. And I just, I, I like that feeling of belonging and community. It's a great answer, and I've had a lot of guests that have touched upon a lot of what you said, and I find it fascinating that there is a lot of interconnected uh, ideas of what Detroit is and who we are as people, and and a lot of that is similar with uh, the resiliency and, and the do-it-yourself mentality. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really something special, and I feel like there's a lot of opportunity in the city of Detroit and the surrounding areas, and there's a lot of work to be done. You know, Absolutely. certainly yeah. there's there's things that Detroit needs help with, you know, uh, transportation being one of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's such a huge city and and there's not great ways to get around. Yeah. So tell me some of your earliest Detroit memories. Oh, gosh. Um, I'll start probably, by telling you mine. Yeah, go ahead. I'd like to give you some it. time to think. Yeah. So unfortunately, growing up, having a big family, like I said, I had I had brothers that gave me multiple opinions about Detroit and you know a lot of it unfortunately was Detroit is a Mm shithole because there's a lot of violence and dilapidated buildings and you know jobs were moving out of the city and as a young person you don't have the facts to really refute that or, or confirm it right I mean when you only hear the worst you think it is the worst you think it is that thing but then at the same time I would get taken down every year around January was a Detroit auto show and my dad worked for GM. And so he would get free tickets and he'd say, Hey, let's go down, you know, and I would collect the posters and I would hang them in my room. You know, you see some exotic Lamborghini that you would never see in Detroit. And then we would go to Greek town and we would have a flaming Opa, you know what I mean? And and it was, these were some of these early special moments. And of course, sports is, is such a, Oh, man, it's such a fabric of what this city is. And I don't know if my first sports memory was at Joe Louis Arena seeing seeing the Red Wings or if it was seeing the Tigers. But um, those were some really special memories. And it goes to show that uh, there's people outside of Detroit and outside of Michigan and outside of the country that have an idea of what Detroit is. But it's only until they go there that they fully appreciate what it is, what it is exactly. not, yeah. and what yeah, it can yeah. be. That's what I love about giving tours is exactly what you said. My goal is always um, at the end of the tour for people to say, wow, I didn't know that, and I want to mm-hmm. come back, and I want to do this again. I want to you know, buy from these vendors at Eastern Market, or I want to see more of these murals, or I want to hear more local music. Like, I just love that reaction, and it's always my aim to get it because until you do something experiential and get your feet wet and in there, you you don't know. And Detroit isn't easy. It's not like, you know, you hop on a subway and figure it all out. Like, there's a lot of, like, hidden stuff, or you kind of have to know how to get there. Those hidden gems. Yeah, or, you know, you have to know, like, what looks unsafe and what really is unsafe. and you know, because there's some great places that are dirty and gritty, and it's just, it makes up, you know, again, what this kind of greater hole is. There's that grit there, right? And I love that stuff. Like, give me a torn up alley with (laughs) stuff everywhere and some paint on that. Like, I love that. Um, But... You always have to remember some people's perception is, ooh, that equals dangerous or that equals unsafe. So 
that's a fascinating comment because uh, my wife and I, we lived in Virginia for a little over a year, and we ended up coming back, clearly. And we had some friends that came up and visited us, and these were very conservative, uh, Southern Baptist types, and, and we took them to Detroit. And I can recognize from their perspective that, like, there were neighborhoods we went through where they were not comfortable um, what, what's the place where you throw the footballs, you do the foaling, the foaling warehouse or oh, whatever? Oh, yeah, in Hamtramck. In Hamtramck. Yeah. yeah, we went through like a, a little bit of a sketch neighborhood. Oh, of and, course. And for me, I'm just like, uh, yeah, you, you know, don't even see it anymore. You, you don't even think about it. Yeah. But knowing that there's two people in the back seat that are kind of a little wide-eyed, I'm like, all right, maybe I need to kind of talk them through this a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So, um anyway, I totally got off your question of my early no, memories. No, it's fine. But... <laughs> no, Um so what are they? Um, I don't. I think my earliest memories are a little bit more downriver. Like we used to go to Bablo. Wow. Gotta, yeah. I've so. never been to Bablo. Oh, I know. I thought I, that was like a old school seventies, eighties thing. Well, I told you, I'm pretty old. Uh, <laughs> I'm but, sorry. But no, that's what we did. Like my dad's company picnic was there every year, and we took the boat over to Bablo. I remember distinctly, like when I got old enough to go just with my friends. Now I think like. Wow, I think I was probably 12 or 13, and I kind of can't believe. Like, today, we probably wouldn't let our kids do that. But me and some friends would get on the Bablo boat, go over to the island for the day, and come home. So there was um, a dock in Wyandotte that we could take to go over there. Um, So I remember a lot of, like, Bishop Park in Wyandotte and seeing the fireworks and stuff like that. So my earliest memories, but really going to the city, I remember... I think a little bit later stuff, but always the DIA, um, always uh, symphony things, uh, Ford Auditorium when that was around. I, well, I, don't, I don't know what that is. It was a performance space and sure. where the symphony used to sure. used to be. Um, oh, where? Right on the river, oh. right by Hart Plaza. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, just, I just remember being amongst the big buildings and just thinking that was really cool you know it seemed like such a big um impressive thing to me um I remember going to the library for sure I remember my dad um we always watched magicians and magic shows because he used to do that when he was in college he was like a magician's assistant um so David Copperfield I remember like going to see like, Dad David. was an interesting dude Alaska yeah. Colorado yeah magician's assistant BASF. Um, right and my mom was always like wanting to help us um you know, explore if whatever we wanted to uh, study, you know, or be interested in. So it was like when we kind of outgrew the local libraries, then I was like, okay, we'll go to Detroit and go to the big library, you know, that kind of stuff. And I definitely remember Greek Town, Pizza Papalis. We didn't go out to eat a lot at all, but um, I would definitely say you had a classical yeah, cultural exactly. upbringing, you know. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. You mentioned uh, gems. What are some of your favorite watering holes or bars that mm-hmm. that maybe not everybody knows about? Oh gosh, well I feel like people know so much about things yeah. now, but because um, I go down to Detroit a lot, I I spend my money down there. Yeah, I, I haven't been as much lately, obviously because of COVID. Well, exactly. Yeah, and um, I like the new spots too. Just you know, I'll, I'll always want to be the first to try out new things as well. So I'll, all the new trendy restaurants I like as well, but um. I mean, any of the Coney Islands, it's like the neighborhood ones. Um, I like, like Dooley's? Where's yeah. Dooley's? Is Dooley's in Corktown? I think um, it is. 
not quite, but not far from Corktown. Yeah. Um, I like uh, I like I like seeing music venues, so I like going to like L Club, and I like uh, oh yeah, that's I, one of I've my been favorites. to TV Lounge once, but um, mm-hmm. th- UFO there's... Factory, yeah. I mean, I love Burt's uh, in Eastern Market. That's mm-hmm. a total gem, um, and to me, it's a place that's very Detroity. It's like you can go there and see all ages of people, mixed backgrounds, diverse racially, like. It's just one of the few places where you can go and see anybody, and it's not just, okay, this is mainly white clientele or mainly black clientele. Like, it's always really mixed, and you can hear great, again, not right now, but normally you can hear great live music literally every day of the week. And they do these crazy karaoke parties on the weekends outside. You know, I like places like that where you can just kind of go be yourself you know i think there is a special aspect behind that because you can go to a place in detroit and i would say most places where it is very diverse and nobody thinks anything of it i mean there's white people there's asian people arabic people you know black people and everybody's mingling everybody's having a good time but that was not always the case not always sure especially if you know the history of detroit Mm -hmm. but it's it's special that that is that is there now. Exactly. Yeah. You know, good music, might smell a little weed in the air. Right. You're oh, having yeah, a couple yeah. couple beers and it's all good. Yeah. And you just feel that that yoke. You don't you don't know any of these people, but it's a feeling. Well, that's I think I'm what I miss the most in the pandemic is that collective energy that just it's indescribable, but you know it when it's there. When you I mean, I've learned as I get older, I'll go to places by myself. You know, I never would have done that before, but now I'll go to like the Movement Festival. I got the chance to have, you know, press passes. So it was like, okay, I'll just go. And it, I, it was amazing. You know, you can just feel comfortable. I, I, I didn't have to like text to meet anyone or figure out where yeah. any, I just did what I wanted yeah. to do and popped around. And um, I think there's just, you don't feel lonely. I, I miss that, like, being out and not feeling lonely. Like, there's just that collective spirit and energy that you're all kind of, like, in it and having a good time. We're all and in it together. Yeah, yeah. So that that's really hard. And I don't know when we'll get back to that. And I, I, I really dislike. We're getting there. Yeah, but I really dislike the feeling of being afraid of other humans. Like, oh, we can't touch. We can't, you know. I would just love to be like at a sweaty, dirty dance party. <laughs> like, I'm not even gonna yes. care if somebody spills yes. a beer on me. You know, right. I just right. I, I want that back really bad. You know, like you said, the music venues, um, L Club is awesome. You know, Masonic where there's um, St. Andrews, St. Andrews, the uh, majestic where there's all the different little spots in it. You know, you can go to Masonic Temple and you might be in the Crystal Ballroom or you might be in the the big stage. You know, there's all these little things. You know, Theater Bazaar, I miss. Um, wow, is Theater Bazaar wild? Can yeah. you explain to people that haven't been to Theater Bazaar what Theater Bazaar is? It's yeah. kind of tough. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like. Um, it, it's like the best Halloween party ever. It's like eyes wide shut meets. Um, <laughs> is it? Is it? Would you say it's burlesque? Is burlesque there, the right word to describe burlesque it? Burlesque is a component for sure. Um, but it, there's, there's a carnival aspect to it too. That's the whole thing. It's definitely like a twisted carnival. There, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. And I've had the opportunity to talk with the creator John Deviant of all of it, and um, he builds. A whole, you know, fantasy. It's a complete fantasy 
come to life. And, you know, eight, what is it, eight floors of the Masonic Temple, I think, at this point. Musicians and entertainers, you know, people on roller skates, but it's all intentional, every single bit of it. So it's the clowns and all and there's the like people. a sexual aspect in there too definitely, with definitely. like you know dancers and beautiful women and you're just yeah. like this is i can't even wrap my head around this it's right wild now. Yeah. yeah yeah and just really incredible because everybody just goes there and escapes and just is in it you know you become it's like performance art and you're you're one of the performers the one time I went, I got really high, and I was like, "This is just too much." This, <laughs> this it's is sensory, very overwhelming. <laughs> it's sensory overload. Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to get like remotely drunk or anything there because it's just I want to take it all in, and all the details are nuts. You know, all the like um, taxidermied animals. And yeah, right. Crazy candy flowing everywhere, and the costumes. Like, I love that you have to wear a costume. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to have a Halloween party and half the people don't show up in costume, like, no, that's it's just kind of bullshit. People, like, there's a lot of that. people that don't take that yeah, seriously. Yeah, no, anymore. this, you got you got to bring it. And <laughs> people like full on body paint and just very free. And yeah. I notice about that event that, you know, people really let their freak flag fly. Yes. They're like, let's just do it. Here I am. You got to have spaces to do that. I agree. Yeah. I and agree. there's other parties around town, like, um, at the Lincoln Street Art Park, they, you know, do these full moon parties. Um, Tangent Gallery does crazy fire throwing. They have the, you know, beard contest parties. Like, there's... What do you know about the Dirty Show? I have been a few times. I have times. been twice. Yes, yes. That is spectacular. Yeah, it is. I wish it had a little bit more... Tell no, everybody. Tell no, everybody. No offense to the producers, but I wish it had, like, a little bit more polish to it. But I disagree. Really? You like the... that? It, because it has that grit makes it special. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Because it's kind of like, ooh, it's, it's uncomfortable. And because it's not polished, it's more raw. True. True. I respect what you have to say. I'm not saying you're wrong. Oh, no. Wait, I respectfully can agree to disagree, too. Like, I, I just feel like they could take it up a notch. Sure. To be a little bit more immersive. But... Man, the conversations you can have there. Talk about meeting with strangers and just, like, looking at this. I mean, there'll be just this, like, giant dick on the wall. And, you know, you're like, oh, what do you see? You know? And 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 just people just, it's there. So you can talk about it. And, you right. know, I think we're so, like, closed up and so, like, conservative in so many ways that when you have this space, like, Okay, now come in. It's so comfortable to talk about that. I wouldn't necessarily say conservative, but I would definitely say with cancel culture, people are more oh yeah sensitive. That's and, probably and the offended. better. Yes, yes, yes. That's so the better way to say it. This yeah. is what's so important about art and music is it provides this vehicle f- to challenge ideas, to challenge religion, to challenge politics, politicians. Right. Mm-hmm. I. I've seen some things at the Dirty Show, and the Dirty Show is like the, just the dirtiest stuff that you can see out there. That yeah. that challenges uh, conventional ideas, you know, about religion and sex, and it's yeah, it's very uncomfortable. But it's great because you're like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. But like that painting or whatever it might be, but I appreciate it. Well, exactly, and then you kind of get into like why does that make me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like because of how I grew up or what scene is deemed acceptable and there's really good art there it's not just dirty for the sake of being dirty it's like compelling and talent you know there's a wide range and you know I forget how many artists they have there but it's in the hundreds 
And there's some really quality stuff. It's not just, oh, just slap some porn up on the wall. Like, right. it has the artistic merit. So, But it's all sexual for clarification yes, for anybody that is Yes, it is erotic is art. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, there's different types of art. So there's, you know, there's the burlesque show. Uh, it's not even burlesque. It's uh, the trans show, right? Mm-hmm. And so the transvestites and dancers in cages. And you're like wow, this is uncomfortable. I'm around a lot of people and some of the artwork is challenging, but I'm, I'm kind of turned on, you know, mm-hmm. when I looked at certain things and, and it's just, it's a whole stew. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, and of different things. really great people watching as well. The and, best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, wow. That, that, that stirs up some memories. It just, it's, it's fun. I, I remember going there for the first time with a friend, not knowing what to expect. And I was like, sure. Oh my God, this is nuts. Yeah, yeah. So, um, going back to you though, being an ambassador of Detroit, you know, you are, you are trying to bring awareness and represent these artists and and these people that are doing great things within the city. Is do you find that people are receptive to your message and your aim, or do you yes. feel like you're being intrusive because you're injecting yourself into their lives? No. Well, gosh, I hope I'm not. I hope I don't make people feel like that. But, um, no, I feel like it's very receptive. I mean, people tell me all the time, like, I mean, almost to the point where it gets a little like, okay, you know, I do have jobs. You know, people just ask me all the time, where should I go? What should I do? Now that they see me as a resource, you know. And I like to tell people, you can find all this out for yourself, too. You know, it's all out there now. Um, Or listen to my podcast. Sure. Um, But, no, I feel like people want to know. But it is a lot of work to keep up on it. And... Honestly, during uh, pandemic times, as tough as it was for me and a lot of, oh, God, I was in such a funk and a lot of depression for a while. But it was a little bit of a relief not to have to keep up on all the new things and be sort of on top of all the hot stuff. Um, you felt like you got to recharge your batteries a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it does get exhausting sometimes. But um, Well, tell me how it, I mean, tell me how it affected you personally and maybe some unexpected lessons or realizations that you had from COVID. And granted, we're not out of it. But. Yeah, yeah. It's still kind of ongoing. But I, I'm with you. Like, I feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel and mm-hmm. we're kind of emerging. No, I just, um, I just totally retreated into myself for a while. And it wasn't not in a healthy way so um I just I felt like I lost my identity really yeah I mean I just because so much of my identity in the last few years especially has become just being out and being being with people yeah and being that resource for people and you know just I'm so curious about everything and I want to go see and you know I have super bad case of FOMO you know I didn't want to miss anything and um but that became like kind of who I was. And I felt like if I didn't have that, I just was, what's my point? Like, why would anyone want to even hang out with me? <laughs> you know, which um, it's so silly how much we wrap ourselves up in our it's jobs. It's so crazy. And, and I can I, relate to what you're saying. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's just it's it's silly. And now I can look back and be like, well, I'm just valuable just because I'm a person. Just how you are, too. <laughs> I mean, yes. just we're human beings and we all have intrinsic, inherent value. But um I think in our culture and just, you know, that negative self-talk you always have, it's like, well, what am I if I'm not doing 8 million things or or taking care of my job and my family in the way that I want to? And so, 
yes, yeah, it's, it's really hard to feel like, what is my identity and what am I doing here? But then kind of not have the energy. It's, it's sort of exhausting to have nothing to do. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything weird, you but... said was spot on. And it's so powerful because you and I aren't the only ones that think that way because I, I have my own experiences that have resulted in that same feeling. But people battle with this daily. And, you know, if you don't have a sense of purpose, who exactly. are you? Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. all that gets stripped away. And it goes down to the very basic roots of like, well, you know, I'm a... I'm, I'm a brother or like I'm a sibling. Mm-hmm. I'm a son. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm married. You know, this is, you know, you start from the base level. You know, I'm a friggin' human being. Right. And then you kind of, you, you have these self-realizations, right? What do I like? What drives me, right? Outside of influence of everybody else and, and whatever. And, and that's where this podcast started for or, or from was was this this internal drive to be like i want to make myself happy for once yeah, yeah. and and it, it had nothing to do with uh with outside influence of job or friends telling me what's cool what's not cool laughing at me or whatever yeah, you know yeah. are they going to are they going to judge me kind of thing mm-hmm. so there was some fear behind that but once you kind of find your center again it's an empowering feeling because you realize that those people do make me happy you know? Right. And like with me, you know, doing this, starting this project, it's an amazing feeling. Well, yeah. You know, there's there's power in human connection and I love it. And I love, you know, I'm like you in the sense that I'm curious and I want to unapologetically explore my curiosity and I want to learn new things. And I want to I want to connect with you and explore different worlds and perspectives because it just it's it's. It's life, yeah. It's life. It's who we are. It's yeah. what we do. It's what we need. I think the only things in life really, you know, is to the rules of life, I guess I would say, is to be kind and to connect with other people. And everything else falls into place after that. But sometimes it's hard to keep that in mind, you know, myself included. Just connection is what it is all about. No matter what you're doing, we don't walk alone, you know. And um, I think that's, I hope. My kids, if they get nothing else from me as a mom, um, is just to always connect with other people in an authentic way. Get to know people, get to know their stories. And then, you know, whether you call it networking, you know, that sounds pretty businessy, but just we all are meant to help each other. And I don't have knowledge just for myself, I have it, you know, to give away. And I want to um, have, a, have a real connection with other humans. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to live alone. And it's amazing what an impact you can have with without even realizing it. You know, people can feel great about you approaching them and wanting to bring awareness to their business. And I would say that your kids learn through your example. So, you know, props to you. Well, you know, I hope they don't learn just to retreat and lay on the couch for days when they don't feel good. But sometimes we got to do that, too. I did have a previous guest in here that says it is or said it is exhausting not having anything to do. Oh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. You're just kind of in this weird waiting place. But I just felt paralyzed a lot of the time. Like, I... I don't have the energy to do stuff, but yet I can't really sleep. And and you just, want to do something, yeah. you know, but you're like, ah. Yeah, but I think, um, yeah, I think people, we can all, we can help each other with that. And it helps to know that nobody's perfect and everybody was kind of feeling different ways through this and it's all okay. 
So are you slowly climbing out of that and finding your, your rhythm and your stride again? Yeah, definitely. Like me and uh, my partner, Seth Ressler, mm-hmm. uh, we co-host the debrief together. Like we've been. What's up, Seth? Yeah. He's just been awesome. He's taught me so much because um, three years ago, I knew nothing about podcasting. I really didn't. I like barely knew how to listen to one, to be honest. And um what do you mean? You turn it on and you, you do something? <laughs> I was just like, which which app? Like, how does it uh, work? Can I connect it. it to my car? You know? Um, and I just, someone sent me an audition. So Seth had started the podcast with somebody else. And they were looking for a woman to join. And uh, they said, you'd be perfect for this. You know, it's like giving your tours, but just vocally just audio and you know so much about detroit like you should go try this and i'm like what what is this like so was there any fear or trepidation i just think i just went i didn't even think about it i was just like all right you know and i respect this friend that sent it to me um shout out to colette and um i just did it i was like okay here's my resume and whatever their little form was and i think Seth emailed me back within like 30 minutes or something. So I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> What's, uh, I got to do this. Thing. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'll meet with you. And then it was one of those things like, I'm not even going to know what I'm talking about. And he did tell me later. And then I met with his, um, his partner in the podcast at the time, Mike Jeter. And the three of us did the podcast for a while. Any relation um, to Derek Jeter? No. <laughs> um, and we met separately. And Unbeknownst to me at the time, they were looking for a millennial woman who lived in the city of Detroit and was into sports because they felt that was the the part they were missing. Are you into sports? Nope. Hmm. And I'm not a millennial Hmm. (laughs) and I don't live in the city. (laughs) So but they were like, but you had so many of these other things that we didn't even know we were looking for. And so I think it's just one of those things. You just put stuff out there. I've just been really lucky to have, like, kind of opportunities, you know, just fall into my lap. And that's another reason I'm like, I need to share that, you know, because I've been so fortunate. Do you feel like you've had a a wider reach with the podcast and and you've actually embraced it in such a way that you now – you know, you, you appreciate that almost more than some other things that you've been doing? Oh, definitely, definitely. Just because, you know, it's a newer medium. It's um, it's really powerful how, you know, on a tour, it's great. But I've only impacted or talked to those, you know, 15 people, those 20 people, those 50 people. Um, and then and then it's over, right? Yeah. Well, like the podcast, um, we were very timely. Uh, the, the next set of shows we do will be much more evergreen, but... That's out in in audio land forever. What do you mean evergreen? Just new? Uh, no, evergreen meaning that it lasts. So if you oh. listen to it today or a year oh. from now, I've never heard that. Oh, I okay. Like well, I taught you a new <laughs> word. Yeah, evergreen content is like it doesn't age. Okay. Um, as much. Where before our format was very timely. It was like the weekly show of what to do, and here's what's going on this weekend, kind of thing. Got it. So um, that's kind of powerful. We still. We took almost a year hiatus off of new shows, but we're still getting all these downloads every week. And I still hear people say, oh, yeah, I just caught up and I listened to your interview with Josh Mallerman, who wrote Bird Box. Like right. that, But that was like years ago. Yeah, props or, to you on that. That's thank awesome. Thank you. Yeah, he was really great. Or Allie Willis, mm-hmm. you know, she passed away. And um, all of a sudden people were like listening to that episode. and like, Or Marianne Wilkinson. Yeah, at the Scarab Club. So um, it just, 
yeah, it's it's been really interesting, and I didn't I didn't think I would like hearing my voice. I didn't think I had that much to say. I didn't know how it would work. Um, but yeah, I, not like we're some some breaking the news barriers in media or anything. But yeah, I feel like I mean we passed um, over a hundred thousand downloads, which felt like a really cool milestone um, with the podcast. Big and, deal. and just you know when you. When it became people that weren't our family and friends <laughs> that were reaching out, when we started to get press releases like, hey, I want to be on your show, you know, that kind of stuff, I felt like, well, we're, you know, we might not be like conquering the world, but we're reaching the right people, the people that we intend to reach. And something really cool we just started, we just had our first one was a networking night for artists. We kept hearing from people that they missed, just like you and I do, miss those events where there might be pop-up food and a musician and an artist like all these different disciplines together and you just naturally meet each other or run into old friends or um you know just expand your circle that way and people are really missing that so we created a virtual environment with a new piece of software um that's really cool where people can have like little breakout sessions and then we do a little bit of a presentation so we had our first one and it was really successful and we got all these um, messages back like thank you so much for facilitating that I didn't realize how much I miss networking with you know other creative people so that's been a new thing we've been able to do and we'll keep doing that and just if we can help whatever opportunities are out there for artists match them up with the artists who fit like I would love to just keep being that conduit so absolutely telling stories and and getting the right people matched up with who they need to be with to grow well, i mean you're doing something true you're doing something authentic and people respond to that and as they should and one thing i love about this podcast that i'm discovering is that networking with people is a fascinating thing it, it's mm-hmm. it's very fulfilling and yes. you know it's that interconnectedness that we talk about within oh, the yeah. city within certain you know sub communities it's great yeah i mean it's one thing to have your own success that's cool but to know that you open a door for somebody and they like got a gig because of it or or even just you know hey i met that person and they look me in the eyes and they say hey nice to meet you becky yeah exactly like Like, that just gives you that energy you know and it's it's hard to get any other way so where do you want to see things move in the future with with your show with the debrief i mean i know you have all these other things that you have your hands in Mm -hmm. props to you by the way i don't know how you do that i so limited on time i'm like oh you know yeah it's it's not that crazy though but what's your vision for the debrief um we definitely would like to just see it continue to grow so we are um back to recording we're back in our studio we have a whole new format we were only audio before Mm -hmm. with the exception of a few live streams during the summer and prior to that we do we were doing a couple of live shows once in a while like at a brewery or a place like that but now we're going to be full-on always video so awesome. yeah, so we will be audio and video. It's gotta be um, a little nerve wracking. It is. I'm like, oh geez, I gotta like brush my hair every week. Yeah, now. you're like, does like, it like, have to be perfect? Oh. Do I get a stylist? Yeah, that would be nice. We do not have much of a staff, so yeah. um, that's all us. Um, so we're we're back to that, and it's we're really liking the new format, and we think it's gonna be cool. So just pumping out those shows, we're eventually gonna get back to five days a week. So it's going to be a daily show. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, about 15 minutes a day. Okay. So we hope we will, you know, just kind of build up that regular listenership would be nice. Perfect. Short form. 
we would love to do partnerships like with, I don't know, other media companies or um, sponsors, you know, anybody that wanted to lift each other up and like leverage our reach. We would love that. We definitely want to grow our Michigan podcast productions business because we feel like, especially Seth, he's been in podcasting for, I don't know, over a decade and he consults people in all different ways on it. So if we can take the debrief, which is kind of like our own grand experiment and all we've learned, like we would love to make that easier for other people so they can just focus on their content. You know, with the Detroit Historical Society, they are the first major cultural institution in Detroit to have a podcast, which is kind of crazy because podcasting is so hot and has been for a while. Right. But they were the first to do it. We would we think all the cultural institutions should have a podcast. You know, it's just such a great way to connect with your audience that can't always be there and isn't always top of mind. So um, we would love to grow that business, get um, other you know, whether they be corporations, uh, businesses, brands, um, artists of all types, like that would be amazing um, to kind of have our own sort of podcast channel, if you will. So if you go on MichiganPodcastProductions.com right now, like you'll see the shows that we've done. We have another one, um, Vegetarian Detroit with uh, Jewel Gingell, who's a food blogger. Like that's been super fun. She's about to come out with her second season of Vegetarian Detroit. Um, So just kind of just growing our reach in in those ways is our goals of ours for sure. It's a great mission. Yeah. There's a another podcast company out there, isn't there, that that provides the space for the podcasting, but they don't, I guess, influence or encourage the actual content, right? How does yeah. that work? Yeah. So there are a couple other companies out there. Okay. And yeah, so... So it's not that you're just providing a brick and mortar space or like a little studio. No, no, no. In fact, actual... not. Yeah. And... um. I think we're there's room for all of us in the market because we all provide different things. Like if you just need a spot to record and you got a handle on exactly what you want to do, um, or you have certain marketing goals, that there's great spaces, super affordable, you know, everywhere. We're kind of like the um, the A to Z, you know, from you literally just want to provide content, and even that you might want some coaching on, you know, just simple things that aren't so simple to everybody else, like writing a show for audio versus visual. So, you know, you write stuff for eyes, like reading a book or an article or blog. It might be wonderful. But if you just read that, an audio doesn't sound like you're talking. Mm -hmm. That's not how people talk. So um, even just coaching people on that. um, But a lot of it, too, it's important to realize that that differential right there can affect who... Uh, listens to your your downloads on Spotify 100%. versus who watches you on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. And do they want to watch a full hour and a half segment or do they just want to watch those little little playback clips that yep. are two minutes? Right, exactly. Everybody's attention spans are shorter. Um, it's crazy. So, and then we will go all the way to the end with you, like how to market it. It's great to have a podcast out there, but if it's part of your overall strategy of, you know, whatever your goals are, connecting with your audience, growing your brand you know, you need to do something with it then, you know, write the press releases, get them to the right places, get, you know, um, your, your podcast in the publications. You know, we just did a big, um, podcast for a local artist named Sari Rudin. So she does an account and a whole, um, art world called Sari Tales and she creates art, really compelling art out of all the creepy, crazy messages she's gotten on online dating apps. 
So she's a graphic <laughs> artist. You, everybody should check her out. Uh, and um, so she wanted to take that in a whole different medium. She had never done a podcast before. Dudes are creeps. Completely. <laughs> completely. I'm glad I'm like happily married and not having to go on those apps, believe me. And um, she has this whole online community with women are like, that happens to me too. Here's the messages I've got, you know, and it's just grown and grown. So she wanted another platform to start having those bigger conversations that were all just taking place texting on Instagram or whatever. And um, so for somebody like her, then at the end, I mean, already it came out uh, Valentine's Day. Well, it's been in the free press. It's been in the Jewish news. It's been in hip in Detroit, you know. Then people know about it because there's over, you know, a million podcasts out there. Like, how do you get yours listened to? So we've just learned a lot. And it's super great, super satisfying to work with other people to get that out. And then it's cool to have an artist on the debrief or have them come to our networking event. But gosh, then if we can make it even better, it's just all fulfilling that whole same mission. It's like, we got some really great stuff going on here. How do we get more people to know about it? Sure, absolutely. And I I think, you know, it has to to do with consistency. Oh my gosh, unrelenting consistency. The content has to be good. You know what I mean? Certainly. But it, it could be something that's that's local interest, you know, whatever. You decide what that thing is. But to put out another episode week to week or month to month, that's that's huge. That's important, you know, yeah, to have that, that staying power and that passion. Because a lot of that passion for other artists uh, who are podcasters might diminish. You know, yes. there's, there's a phenomenon called podcast fade where mm-hmm. it's just like, People are like, well, people don't find me interesting. They're not listening. And maybe they had an unrealistic expectation of where their podcast would go or or the, you know, the attention they would get. Well, we're not all Joe Rogan. We're not, you know, we're not. um... I'm bald. I'm halfway there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you, you know, it's only the very big celebrities where people would tune in no matter what are, are going to get that sort of attention. And so it's like. If you're, a, we always say this example over and over. If you're a Detroit T-shirt company, and there's a bazillion of them, if you're a Detroit T-shirt company that just started a week ago, a podcast is not for you. Hmm. You know, you've got to put your brand out there, gain a following. You have to have a following in some other way. You don't have to be a celebrity, but you have to, you know, like the Detroit Historical Society. Well, they already had a big database of people coming in and out of the museum, a natural place to market their podcast and, nat- hmm. you know, to build their listenership. So it's just about all those kinds of things. Yeah, that's it's certainly a battle. It's certainly yeah, a battle. Well, I just the world is so noisy. And I would say, too, that podcasting was already on the up. But when Joe Rogan. Uh, made the deal with Spotify for a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I think everybody was like, I'm "Oh, in. bring me a piece!" You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. If, if he could do it, I could do it. Yeah. You know? But I find that the problem is, is that most people who start a podcast think that they're interesting or that they're funny or that their <laughs> yeah. their opinion, you know, means something. And I hate to say that, but I've always found Rogan's podcast, just as an example, uh, is about the guests. I mean, I've I've never been into the 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 personality cult following of right. Joe Rogan, but I've always been interested in his guests. Well, and he's a pretty decent interviewer. Oh, he's I mean, great. When you're, you know. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. But, like, for me, it's it's similar in the sense that if I can have you on my show 
and I certainly find you interesting, and oh, I'm, thank you know, you. <laughs> certainly other people do, then that provides value, and it provides enjoyable content. Yeah, and there's nothing like the intimacy of audio, honestly. And I was, you know, reading a lot about this stuff, like, you know, Zoom fatigue, and there's all these things that have <laughs> what a weird thing. come to light over the <sighs> pandemic that we got to just stop freaking texting each other. Like, I need to see your face. Yeah. I need to hear your voice. Yep. And so... Um, it's really powerful, and it's a very human thing. Like, we build this, like, false sense of int- intimacy with texting mm-hmm. um, or emailing or whatever, but it's that's not real. Like, as humans, we need, we need you know, I pick up so many cues from what your voice sounds like. Right. Even if we were just talking on the phone. Micro expressions. Oh, yeah, yeah. even on the phone, right. But, like. Your phone is better then... than texting. In person is great, you know. So, to some extent, Zoom's good at that because at least you're seeing faces or FaceTime or whatever. But we're not meant to look at our own face all day. That's a great point. So I'm not standing around looking in a mirror all the time. And you're like, God, that's what people see all day? I know. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> Lord, look at those lines. Look I'm at like, what's right. I hate myself. <laughs> yeah, and because that's just not what we're meant to do. Right. We're meant to look at other people and respond to other people and them to us. And I guarantee you, no one's like, what is wrong with her eyebrows? Or something? But but when you're looking at yourself all day, you're like, oh, jeez. You know, it's just yeah, exhausting. Like I need some help. Yeah. <laughs> and so eventually, I mean, down the line for me, I'm going to go video as well. And that's a whole nother it is. thing. You it know, is. and it's like there's something special about the audio because I've kept some anonymity. Well, said that wrong. Anonymity. <laughs> yes. And, uh. You know, there's there's kind of a safety factor behind that. The, oh, 100%. Yes, 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 yes. But when you record, all of a sudden you're looking at your own image and people are looking at you. And, I mean, whatever. It's that's something you got to get over. But. You do. You do. And um, I think for us with the debrief, like, because of where our studio is and we still can't have in-person guests. Mm. And I don't know when we will be able to again. So we already have to. Why not? I am. Pipe them. In. I know. But you have different <laughs> independence. But um, we already have to pipe them in. So to only have them in via like Skype or, or you know, just audio, you're then you're missing a couple more things. So it's like it was partly for that, too, and mm. partly just for people's attention. Like audio is down a little bit, actually, because people aren't commuting as much or, you know. Um, but video, everybody knows how to watch a video right. and pop it on and, you know, sit through it. So, well, you've certainly, you've, you know, definitely become a, uh, an ambassador for Detroit with your show and, and your, you know, boots on the ground type approach. Oh, I, I know. I, I feel like I could do a whole other show because, um, what I didn't do is name all the artists and entertainers and everything, but you know, if. If you don't need people, to name drop. It's you, right. No, no, not name drop. You want drop. to, you can. No, 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 because then I'd have to pick favorites. But I just, um, I don't want to get away from that, that I, I want to, I really want to encourage people to find out who's doing great stuff right here in our own backyards. I love that. Do you see yourself becoming a, a larger ambassador for the city of Detroit outside of the city of Detroit. Does that make sense? Oh, you mean traveling around? To no, not necessarily traveling around, but oh. just having a wider breadth of audience that you can be uh, a megaphone for Detroit. I mean, yeah, that'd be amazing. I haven't really set that as a particular goal because I think we have so much to do just right here. Sure. And I don't want to just be like, oh, yeah, outsiders should come in. And that's great, too. And I mean, with the tour company, we've had 
tour guests from all over the world. It's just incredible, you know, to hear that, you know, college students from Germany are backpacking across the U.S. and like Detroit is 100 percent one of their top choices to visit is amazing. And that's not one story that's happened a lot of times. Um, So I guess I've just kind of concentrated on, you know, people from Novi knowing that, you know, (laughs) but sure. Bigger would be, yeah, it'd be cool. I respect that. So being that you're so intimately involved in Detroit through what you're doing, your podcast, your other organizations, what would you say we're not talking about when it comes to Detroit? Oh, a bunch of things. Um, neighborhoods, the all the neighborhoods, all the, you know, people say, oh, Detroit's getting too shiny or something. I'm like, have you driven around? Yeah. Like, have you gone anywhere besides Midtown and Downtown? I do understand the sentiment, though. I do, too. I do, too. And I don't want it to get too shiny either. And that's false. Um, But the neighborhoods need love. They need love. And so that's why, like, local independent restaurants are so important. The ones that have the courage and, and the fortitude to open in neighborhoods where they might not get as much foot traffic or much visibility. But that is so important that they can hire people that can walk to work that they can actually serve healthy food to the people that live in their neighborhood. You know, um, it's just Detroit is so vast. You know, it was built for a population of 2 million people and what we've got barely 700,000 now in the city. And so there's a lot of wide open spaces that are neglected that um, are left behind. And so neighborhoods, neighborhood investment is super duper important. And I don't think we talk about that enough. It can't just be about Midtown thriving and, and, um, you know, because also you need places for people of all income levels or you're not going to have artistic growth. You're not going to have that um, the stuff we love about Detroit isn't going to be able to be here. You know, you can't just every neighborhood, the artists come in and make it cool and then you force them out because now it's cool and you raise the rents and just do shiny stuff. So so amazing you just said that because I had a mural artist in here just uh, recently who said the exact same thing. Oh, well, he would know better than me then probably. No, no, but I mean, you're spot on. You know, the 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 art is what makes some of these neighborhoods cool. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, they're they're not the greatest places, but it's the art that that makes it something special. Right. Right. Like uh, I think you said, like uh, in Soho. In New York, it was Andy Warhol that made that area cool. Oh, sure. But then you get these, you know, people of means that come in, you know, these rich investors, and all of a sudden, you know, they put on these, uh, you know, expensive places to live and raise the rent prices or whatever, and it kicks out those artists. And now the neighborhood that was once cool isn't. Isn't. Right. Well, and you need, you know, it's kind of like different things, like. People like the idea of affordable housing. Well, sure, that that makes sense. But, oh, but, yeah, not where I live. Right. Like, I don't want it on my block. Right. Well, why not? Because, like, people should all be able to live together. and Or even things like dispensaries, you know. Well, sure, I agree with that. But I don't really want it in my town, you know. Yeah, that's a weird thing because I have some friends that I went to college with who – I've, you know, smoked a lot of weed, right? You know, (laughs) I have with them. I know what they were like when they were younger. And now all of a sudden they're older and they have children 
And when the Michigan marijuana legislation came along for legalization, they're like, no, no, no. Right. I don't want any of that. I'm like, well, that's kind of hypocritical. You yeah. Know? Well, there's whole bunches of problems with the industry, too, and, like, that people are still in jail for marijuana possession and stuff that's like crazy. that, where there's other people making a ton of money doing the same thing legally, you know, so that's a whole nother discussion. But, but yeah, I guess... Um, we, we need to be talking about Detroit is a lot of people, a lot of different people. And we, you know, it's not it's not cool to leave any of them behind. You know, we need to. We're all in it together. Yeah, we need to. And we're all richer for it, you know, so. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's uh, let's wind down. This has been great. Yeah, so um, fun. Music is my final question. And we're talking about people being together and you know oh the connectivity yeah, 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 of Detroit yeah. and clearly you've been to a lot of venues a lot of concerts oh, seen a lot of great most. music mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. sure for sure yeah what are some of your favorites or what are you listening to now okay uh wide range wide range um I mean, I still love the music I grew up with, you know, 80s New Wave and uh, yeah you know Prince is my ultimate ultimate <laughs> favorite you know I uh, had the opportunity to go to Paisley Park, you know, really shortly after he passed away. And that well, what's was Paisley Park? His his home and oh. where he recorded it oh. outside of Minneapolis. Okay. Um, and now it's a museum. Um, so, I mean, he will always and forever be my, be my number one. But um, I love I love Anderson Pack. I think he is one of the most amazing artists. Uh, he's so prolific. I saw him at Coachella. Oh, he was oh. awesome. Yeah, we saw him at Intersect Festival in Las Vegas. I've seen him twice in Detroit. Um, he's at the Fox. He's at Meadowbrook. That man live, undeniably amazing. You know, he plays drums. He raps. He dances. Like so, he is definitely my current go-to. Um, I love Miguel a lot. I've seen him a lot live. Um, Leon Bridges, Jacob Banks. Um, I love um, I love a lot of soulful, funky music, um, hip-hop, R&B. Like, that's probably my sweet spot. But depending on mood, I listen to everything from Latin jazz to, you know, the really chill, spacey electronica. Um, I love dance music. Um, yeah, I just, I love music. And it depends on the mood, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Without and, a doubt. And then there's just so many incredible local artists too and i feel like I, that's what i miss too where you might not even know the band or the singer but you can show up to a venue and it's just like oh my god that how are they not like a multi-million dollar record deal you know mm -hmm. but that's the industry there's so many absolutely but yeah Leon bridges did a song called texas sun with his band i like yes. called crangbin yes they're fun yeah they're very fun yeah they're he's... like jam band don't sing at all right, Leon right bridges you know he did a collab with them he does class with so many people. I've seen him live too. I just um, well, that, is yeah. that kind of a sleepy concert though, Leon Bridges? No, mm -mm. I mean High I know energy. what you're saying, and yeah. he has like a funny dance style that's very small and controlled. Yeah. Like he's almost like a little bit robotic, <laughs> but he's his voice is 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 so mesmerizing that um, I mean I don't find it sleepy. Like for instance, I love Sade. Like mm -hmm. she's also just gold standard. But her concerts were sleepy. Like oh, I bet super sexy and yeah. awesome. But it's like that's like baby making music. It's not concert yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. Like my husband and I, I think when we saw her at the Palace, we're like, I just wish we were in our bed right now. You know, <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'm just, just so tired. Yeah. Um, 
So, no, he's not like that. But, I mean, maybe some people. I've seen him um, both by himself and at a festival. So, um, But I know what you're saying. He's he's more low-key, for sure. Mm-hmm. To me, it just it goes back to mood. I feel like music, it can cheer you up. It can um, get you out of the doldrums. Or if you need to indulge in those bad feelings, it can help you, like, dig deep into that. Absolutely. You know? So it's just, it's just sort of the soundtrack to your life, you know? I love that. That sounded really cheesy, but I know I, I, I love it. I, I think am a that's dark, great. Yeah. No, 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 no. I I'm, I'm talking about me, my reaction to that. Oh no, I think that was I think that was a great answer. It really is but because look, music is energy, and, and yeah. you know it just complements how you feel. And it does, it does. But look up local artists or follow me on the debrief on Instagram, where I follow so many local artists. The talent here, oh, it's just unbelievable. Do you have a website or somewhere where we can find you at? Yep, thedebriefdetroit.com, michiganpodcastproductions.com. My tour business is enjoythed.com. Perfect. So, yeah, all those ways. Well, Becky Scarcello, that's all I have. I don't have any other questions. Uh, You had great questions. (laughs) Yes, it made me think. So this has been such a pleasure. Thank you. It's been great. I appreciate you a lot, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Ken.